Isaiah chapter 57, and beginning with the 19th verse, says this. I create the fruit of the lips, peace, peace to him that is far off. And to him that is near, saith the Lord, I will heal him. But the wicked are like the troubled sea. When it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. And I'd like to use as a topic from that 21st verse. There is no peace to the wicked. Heavenly Father, I come in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity you've afforded me. Just ask for your help and grace to be with me. And and Lord, of course, your Holy Spirit to be with me and 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 let your you let your spirit do the speaking lord lord it it it's not my ability cuz i don't have any i can't speak spirit but the holy spirit can and so father i just pray so that our spirits will be enriched this day and drawn closer to you i just ask for your help and grace to be able to share this your word in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. As I look at this 57th chapter and I look at its beginning, it says, The righteous perish. And that doesn't mean that the righteous uh, perish. They'll, they'll go to the lake of fire one day. But, but it's talking about that their bodies will perish. Because it goes on to say, and no man layeth it to heart. And merciful men are taken away, none considering that the righteous is taken away from the evil to come. Praise God, we're going to be taken from the evil to come. But but it's saying nobody nobody really cares. They're not interested in the righteous and they're not going to miss the righteous. It says, he shall enter into peace. And shall rest in their beds, each one walking in his uprightness. And after talking about God's provision of peace for the upright, he then talks about the wicked. And he, and he talks about all, all the things that they do and, and, and their, where, their, their ways. And down at verse 12, he says about how he, I will declare Thy righteousness and thy works, for they shall not prosper, or, or they shall not profit thee. And so what, it, what it's bringing out there is it's saying, after talking about the righteous and then contrasting it with the wicked, he's saying, I'm gonna, I the Lord, I'm gonna declare your righteousness and your works. And what he's gonna declare is that their righteousness is as filthy rags, and their works, which they believe to be good works, are apostate, are reprobate. Really, the way I should have said that, reprobate. Concerning every good work, reprobate. And he says, there's not going to be any profit for you, for your righteousness, or you, because you're wicked. You, you don't have the righteousness of God. In, in today, today, I mean, that was in the Old Testament. Today, we're made the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And so he goes on then further to say that he's going, you know, you're going to cry, deliver. He says, 
he says, for thus say in verse 15, thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place. You see, one of the things he says back in 15, he says that uh, he that puts his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. See, there's an inheritance with him that's high and holy. But when he says that in verse 15, he talks about my name is my name is holy. I dwell in a high and holy place. This speaks of God's transcendence, meaning that God is high and holy. We cannot understand the holiness of God. We cannot understand the glory of God. We can do our best to try, but his way is so far higher than our ways. His thoughts are so far higher than our thoughts. We can't even imagine what what the glory of God is. We cannot understand the holiness of God, the power and might of God. It's far beyond what we're capable of understanding. And in that in that regard, God is transcendent. He is high and holy, and but yet He gives us the privilege and blessing to dwell in His holy mountain. And He dwells in that transcendence. He dwells in that all glory is His and nobody else gets any. Compared to Him, there is nobody holy. Compared to Him, there is no glory. He dwells in that transcendence, but at the same time He says, I also dwell in imminence. I dwell close. Because He says, I also dwell in him who is of, of a contrite and humble spirit. To the one who says, you know what? There is absolutely no glory in me. I can't do it on my own. I can't. I'm not holy. I'm not righteous. My righteousness is as filthy wags. My, I'm, I'm a person of unclean lips and of a people of unclean lips. I'm of wickedness and so is, and I'm of a people of wickedness. I'm not holy. I'm not righteous. But God, if you'll have mercy upon me and make a way for me to be saved, then Lord, I, I, I will thank you for your mercy and I'll thank you for your goodness. And I'll praise your name. I'm going to get on that in a moment for a minute. I don't know why, but I'm going to. But... but a contrite spirit that says, I can't make it on my own. I'm, I'm nobody. When I'm like, oh, maybe in this world I'm somebody. But in the kingdom of God, when we look and see Jesus, <laughs> there's no comparison. I don't come close. The only thing I can do is fall at his feet as dead and say, your Lord. That's a contrite spirit. That's a repentant heart that says, God, I'm sorry for the sinful ways I've been, I've committed and the ways of my wickedness that I've walked. I've tried to gain everything in life, but I never knew life until I had to lose it. 
until I had a contrite spirit and humbled myself and said, it's not about self, it's about your kingdom, God, and your righteousness. And it's in that that he dwells. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Forgive me, I'm about to have a spell. (laughs) That he dwells there. Oh, I wasted too many years not having him dwell there. Too busy trying to do it on my own. Too busy trying to live my own life. Too busy trying to care, trying to think I was something or trying to be something. When all, when, when he, when, and there was no dwelling. He had no dwelling place there. I had no praise the Lord. I didn't want anybody to see me lifting up my hand saying, thank you, Jesus. You know, it's, it's actually, it's actually humbling oneself. To say, you know what? I give God praise. I thank Jesus Christ because he's my everything. The world has no idea when somebody does that. Whether that's the guy who won the championship game and and they're interviewing him and he says, Oh, I just want to thank Jesus Christ. I just want to give glory to God. And oh, we don't want to hear that. Shut that off. I'm sorry we had a we had a connection problem. We we lost the connection when they start doing that. Cuz they don't understand. Cuz it's actually humbling oneself. It's not religious fanaticism. It's saying thank you Jesus. I want to thank Jesus. Because anything I am or can do or be any touchdown anybody scores or home run anybody hits to win the championship, they want to say, none of it matters. What matters is Jesus Christ. Now let me get to my text. (laughs) But I wanted to bring that out, that portion of that. It wasn't in my text, but it it leads up to the text. Because it says, yes, he who is transcendent, becomes imminent. He who commanded stars and angels and created worlds and put them in place also was born of a virgin. Also went to a cross of Calvary. You see what I'm saying? He who was high and holy and dwelt there is also imminent and near. He who is above anything we can ever think of is also right here with us in that which is of a contrite and humble spirit. He's right there. But he goes on then to say in, in the text I read, I create the fruit of, thy, of the lips. Amen. We bring the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. The same lips that once used his name in profanity, the same lips that lied, the same, the same, the same lips that deceived, the same lips that spoke words of pride and conceit. But he says, I created the fruit of your lips. See, they don't have to walk, speak words of pride and deceit. They don't have to speak lies. They don't have to speak profanity. They can have it, they can be created anew. 
And they can offer the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But then there's this point part that I want to put the emphasis on. Peace. Peace to him that is far off. And to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. Peace. Hallelujah for peace. The world needs peace. I think Fred mentioned that earlier as he was leading the songs. The world needs peace. And he says, and not only do I create the fruit of your lips, but peace. Peace to him that is far off and to him that is near. And I will heal him. So how does he heal? How does he, how does he bring healing and peace? Well, that verse is used in Ephesians chapter 2. And let me turn there. My Bible doesn't fall apart in the turning. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to start at verse 8. Because it's a familiar portion. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And I read that, so it says, Wherefore, remember that you being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at the time ye were without Christ. Remember when you were without Christ? Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope. You didn't realize you didn't have any hope, but you had no hope. There was absolutely no hope for you to make heaven. Me neither. And without God in this world, too dumb to know we didn't have God in the world. We were our own God. But now, in Christ Jesus, but now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometime were far off. Oops. I was far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ, for he is our peace. See, this is coming out of Isaiah 57. He is He is our peace. How many of you have Christ? Well, then you have peace. I could finish right there because everything I'm going to share is that point. If you have Christ, he is your peace. Who hath made one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. For to make in himself of twain one new man. So making peace. So making peace. So we have peace with God. He's our peace with God. He's our peace. And that he might reconcile unto him, reconcile both unto God 
in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to them which were afar off and to them which are nigh. We read that in, you know, peace, peace, to them that are far off and to them that are nigh. And through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. We're not the strangers. We're not the foreigners. We're, we're, we're not the aliens. We're not without hope. We're not without God in this world anymore because through Christ, we're, we're fellow citizens and saints of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. So we're a habitation of God through the Spirit. We, we, and He's our peace. So when He's saying peace, peace to them who are, who are near or far off, He's bringing this out. Whether you were, whether you were a Jewish or whether you were of a, a Gentile background, whether you grew up in the church or you never darkened the door of a church in your life, there's one way to peace, and that's Jesus Christ. He's our peace. He is our peace. And then he goes on then to say, and I'll heal him. And that's the method he chose to heal him. In contrast to being healed... (laughs) And receiving God's peace. He says, but the wicked are not, but the wicked are like the troubled sea. When it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Well, the wicked are like the troubled sea. Well, what, what's, it cannot rest. Well, let me, let, let me, let me stop there a moment and say, That's what peace is. Peace is when something is tranquil and quiet. Troubled waters aren't tranquil and quiet. They're raging and they cause anxiety and discomfort. If if a nation is at war, it's not at peace because it's not tranquil and quiet. We may, maybe even you read in the word of God or somebody may even say, you know, they held their peace. That basically means they kept their mouth shut. They didn't, they didn't say what, they didn't say what was on their mind. They didn't have to say something, which nobody ever has to say something. We choose to say something. But they held their peace. They held their peace means they, it, it was quiet. It was tranquil. In other words, there was nothing to get you upset. There was no anxiety. There was nothing to trouble you. That's not the way of the wicked. He's saying the wicked, they don't have that comfort. You know, the, a, another thing about uh, about peace is, is it, it has an aspect of security and order. We think of people, be, you know, officers being peace officers or the justice of the peace. The purpose of them is to bring security and order. 
Well, you don't have that with the wicked. There's no security in the wicked. You want to hang with criminals? Don't be surprised if you get stolen from. You want to hang with murderers? Don't be surprised if they kill you. I've heard stories on that of people who were murderers who then ended up getting murdered. That's their results. They don't have tranquility. They don't have quietness. They have anxiety. And you want to know why? Because the troubled water brings about the mire and the dirt. It stirs it up. And that's what you have. And, and see, when you're the wicked, that's what you have to have. You must always have whatever it is that you're desiring. Whether, whether that's power and position, then you need power and position. And you gotta gain that power and position. And you gotta fight for that power and position. There's no rest in that. There's nothing tranquil about that. If you need to have a lot of money, if, if you're greedy for money, then you have the anxiety of getting more. If you have real estate, then you, no wait, that guy has more real estate than me. So I have to get, I gotta get more real estate than him. So I have to, I have to, I have to feed my greed. More, more dirt and mire. It, see, see, all of that, all of that stirs up the dirt and mire. And, you know, lusts and passions that go along with that. Lasciviousness. Drunkenness. All the dirt and mire that comes about with anxiety and turmoil. There's no peace. The, 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 the wicked, see, the, the, the wicked aren't, the wicked aren't like so having the peace of Jesus Christ. Don't expect them to have peace. Expect them to have anxiety. Expect them to, expect the wicked to have the cares of this world and this life. Because that's the wicked. And that's why he would go on to say, and I'm going to spend a little time on this. There is no peace in God to the wicked. There is no peace in God to the wicked. They don't have peace because they don't have God. They're not a habitation of the Spirit. They're still strangers they're still far off from God. In Christ, remember what we read in Ephesians. Christ is our peace. He's the Prince of Peace. He's our peace. So if you don't have Christ and you don't have the Spirit of God, then don't expect to have peace because my Bible tells me there is no peace in God to the wicked. That takes me to John chapter 14. A couple places I want to go to finish this off. And John chapter 14 is one. Having established that, 
Christ is our peace. If you don't have Christ, you're wicked and you have no peace. <laughs> Took me that long to say that one phrase. <laughs> Judas, not Iscariot, asks a question. This would be Thaddeus. Judas 14.22 says this, Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Notice this question. This is a great question. You could preach, you could just spend time preaching on this question. Because it's a good question. How is it that we ha- we have a manifestation of who you are. But the world doesn't have this manifestation. What is it that separate? What is it that distinguishes and separates the two? And Jesus answered. So praise God, we get the answer to the question. And said unto him, If a man love me, he'll keep my words. Well, there's a difference. Obedience versus wickedness. And my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode in him. Ah, we're a habitation of God in the spirit. The world isn't a habitation of God in the spirit. They don't have Christ in them. We do. They don't have the Holy Ghost. We do. That's a different manifestation. We've got the power of God in us. We've we've got the supernatural life to live for God. The world doesn't. Verse 24, he that loveth me not keeps not my sayings, which I already brought out. And the word which he hears is not mine. No, he's listening to the news media people. That's not God's word. But the father which sent me, these things have I spoken unto you being yet present with you. But the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He's going to teach you all things. See, that's how he's manifest to us. We have the Holy Spirit. And he teaches us all things and brings things to our remembrance. You ever go about your life and all of a sudden the Word of God comes to you? Or you remember things about God and Jesus and you say, you know what? That ain't right. (laughs) You have an unction from the Holy One. He brings all things to your remembrance, puts it in your mind. What's, let me say that again because I'm going there next. He put, He puts it in your mind. The Holy Spirit, whatsoever things I have said to you, what I've taught you, Jesus is saying, the words I've brought to you, My truth is given to you by the Spirit. And then he says, peace. There's the peace again. I leave with you. I'm leaving it. You got it. It's in him. My peace. And he never, I don't know. I don't ever read of him being anxious. I don't read of Jesus worrying. I don't read of him being out of control. I don't read of him fretting. But how was he going to pay his taxes? Well, we'll just go catch a fish and pull a coin out of his mouth. That's what we'll do. (laughs) Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, gives, give I unto you. 
Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Don't be troubled like the troubled waters. That's just That just stirs up. All that does is bring, stir up dirt and mire. Troubled waters just stirs up dirt and mire. Don't be a fearful. Because that's going to have, what, what are you afraid of? What are you worrying about? Now that takes me to where I want to go, which is Philippians chapter 4. And the main point I want to bring out, and that is that there's no, there's no peace for the wicked. Philippians chapter 4 verse 5 says this, Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is a hand. Be careful for nothing. Some translations say be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't have the cares of this world. For anything, no matter what it is, power, money, things that pride, recognition of man, the applause of men, prestige. Whatever it is, he's saying, don't have care for that. But in everything... By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And here it comes. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let me keep reading and I want to keep, I want to take that seven through nine. Because it looks confusing, but it isn't. Finally, brethren, Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue or if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the peace of God shall be with you. Now, here's the thing I find interesting as I read that. Those three verses, seven through nine. So don't be careful. Don't have anxiety. Don't have cares of this world. Instead, pray, give thanks, thanksgiving. You have anything going on in life, you bring your request to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding. In other words, that which is transcendent peace will become imminent as we, as as we have a contrite and humble spirit, he'll dwell there. A peace, a peace that's, that's transcendent will become our peace. And then the world isn't going to understand. And it says this, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the peace is keeping my heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Then it talks about these things that that we're to think on, things that are true, honest, just, etc. And it says those things that you think on those, it says, and the peace of God shall be with you. Now, I find that interesting because in one case, 
it talks about in the latter case in 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 verse nine. It's in verse eight and nine. It talks if I think on these things that are honest and just and of good report and all those things, then I'm going to have the peace of God. But if I go back to verse seven, it's saying that he's going to. The peace of God, there is the subject that keeps my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So. So this is the interesting thing I like about this. You can't think of it as linear. And usually we think of it as linear. Meaning that if I, if, if I, if I think on things that are good, if I think on the Word of God, if I think on the, if I think on, on the promises God has given me, then I'm going to get His peace. His peace will come. And if I just read that portion, that's where I'm at. But if I read the portion before that, it says, and the peace of God shall keep my heart and mind. It's not linear. It's circular. My peace is in Christ Jesus. It keeps my heart and mind. So I have it. I have God's peace. I have the peace of God. Therefore, what am I thinking on? Wicked things, covetous things, prideful things, lustful things, greedy things. No, I'm thinking on the kingdom of God. I'm thinking on my love of Jesus. I'm thinking on He's my answer. And so therefore, I'm kept in the peace of God. I don't need to seek the peace of God as long as I'm in Christ. I've already got the peace of God. And that keeps my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I'm not going to turn there, but if I go to Isaiah 26, thou shalt keep him in perfect, not give him, thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So if I take this from, from Philippians 7 through 9 and take that from Isaiah 26, it's circular. I've got his peace. That puts my mind on him. And then therefore, since my mind is on him, he doesn't give me perfect peace because I don't need it, already got it. He keeps me. He keeps me. Keeping means you already got it and you're keeping it. You're not losing it. Imperfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. The peace of God which passes all understanding keeps your mind... And then when your mind, because your mind is kept on him, he keeps you in perfect peace. No, 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 no. Because if it's this, then you're going to say, well, I got my mind off of. I need God's peace. Who needs God's peace? According to Isaiah 57. The wicked don't have peace. If I make the statement and say, ah, I really need God's peace. I've just, guess what I've just testified? I don't have it. And if I don't have it, who doesn't have it? The wicked. I've just made a testimony that I'm wicked. And maybe that's why I don't, maybe that is the testimony I need to say. There's a reason I don't have peace. 
There's a reason peace is missing from my life. It's because I'm not in, I'm not where the peace is, which we saw in Ephesians is what? Christ Jesus, who is our peace. So therefore, if I'm not in Christ, then I'm as wicked as can be, and as a result, it's true, then it's true. I need to have the peace of God. But if I'm in Christ Jesus, I never need to make the statement that says, I need to have the peace of God. All I have to do is be circular. All I need to do is say, you know what? Because, because I have God's peace, there's only one thing I can do. I can, I can pray. I can give Him thanks. I can, I can take, does that mean there's not problems in life? Yes, there's plenty of problems. Let me continue on. Let me continue on in this in Ephesians. And you will see the context of this is so absolutely beautiful. You're going to start shouting and praising God along with me. Verse 10 of Philippians 4. I think I said Ephesians, but I mean Philippians. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. He's talking about the Philippians providing for his need, for the Apostle Paul's need. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Quiet, tranquil. I'm secure. So even if I don't have any money, I have security. And I have tranquil. I have peace. Oh, but you don't have enough money, Paul. I have peace. I'm content. That's what he goes on to say. I know both how to be abased. I know how to abound. I know how to have nothing. I know how to have a lot. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry. I've I've glorted myself like a glutton, and I've gone days without food. Both to abound and to suffer need but I'm not in turmoil and I'm not in anxiety. Why? Because the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Because I have that peace, I'm content because my mind isn't on my being abased or abound or being hungry or full or abounding or suffering need. That's on those things that are pure and lovely and good report and all those other things. And when I'm thinking, I have the peace. I'm content. My mind is on that because it shows me one thing. The next verse, which I don't need to read, I can quote that one. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't matter my circumstance. It doesn't matter my situation. It doesn't matter how troubled the waters are. I can do, I'm content because no matter what it is, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength because I've got His peace. Because I've got His peace, my mind is going to be stayed on that He is my Lord 
He is my God. He's my security. He's my refuge. He's my, he's not, he's not troubled. Why should I be? Like Brother Leroy said, and I said this many times. Brother Leroy would say, would say, you know what, if, if Jesus, ne- God never sleeps and never slumbers. So if he's going to be up all night, why am I staying up all night worrying? He's on watch. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He said, it didn't matter my situation. My mind was stayed. I was kept in the peace of God. And therefore, I was the peace of God kept my mind stayed on him. And because it's on him and I know that I can do all things through Christ, no matter what, what comes my way, he's going to keep me in that perfect peace because my mind stayed on him. If I don't have, so scripturally, the peace of God's there. I don't have to look for it. I don't have to pray for it. I don't have to ask for it. I don't have to wonder if it's going to be there because it's it's going to keep, keep. If you're keeping something, mean you already got it. <laughs> my mind's go, my mind is his. My mind is his. And then because my mind is his, I, he's going to, my mind is, since my mind is stayed on him and it's not on the circumstances, but knowing that I can do all things through Christ is going to bring me back to the perfect peace. They just go together. It's beautiful. And if I'm wondering why I don't have peace, well, it just makes a testimony of myself. There's no peace to the wicked. That's where there's no peace. Not in the house of God. That's not, that's not the place. There's no peace to the wicked. Father, I come in Jesus' name.